All right. Well, as I said, this morning we're going to be continuing our study through the book of Romans. And so uh, turn to chapter 5, if you would, Romans chapter 5. Now, last week uh, we began the second half of this chapter, which starts in verse 12, and it goes through verse 21. Now, with so much to talk about just in verse 12, uh, in addition to that one verse really setting the stage for the rest of the chapter, uh, I, I stayed put last Sunday, and we spent all of our time just in that one verse. That, we're in Romans chapter 5. If that's Now, hopefully you remember from last week that uh, I shared with you that Paul really never finished his thought uh, in verse 12. He actually gave us the first half, and then he went on to give us verses 13 through 17. But then come to verse 18, he completes his thought, which he actually started in verse 12. So just one more time, I'll read those. I'm going to read verse 12, and then I'm going to read verse 18, which is really the thought that he's talking about here. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came for all men because all sinned, go to verse 18, consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. So it's very simple here. He says one man brought sin and death into the world. That would be verse 12. And then in verse 18, he says one man brought justification and life. Okay. This is where our study will revolve around for the next few weeks, and we will definitely be moving slowly uh, through verses 12 through 21. But basically what we have in this section is a comparison slash contrast, a little bit of each, if you will, between Adam, okay, who stands for man's condemnation, and then Christ, who stands for every believer's justification. Matter of fact, right here in verse 19 here, he actually says it best. He says right here in chapter 5, verse 19, he says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. What mankind has lost through Adam he's saying, can be obtained, and really to a much higher degree, in Christ. Okay, So let's at this point drop back to verse 12. As you know, I always want to do uh, a, a review, and certainly verse 12, like I said, it kind of sets the stage for the rest of the chapter. But uh, let's back up once more to verse 12, and I'll read it one more time. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and then death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. So Paul began here by saying, this is how it all started. 
He said, sin entered the world through one man. And of course, we know that one man to be Adam. He mentions him here, of course, starting in verse 14 and following. But we also know that, hopefully, from our understanding of Scripture. Now, as I stated here last week, sin did not begin with Adam. It began with Satan. He says here, it entered the world through Adam. Okay? Now, that being said, uh, I think it's very important we drop back once again to Genesis. So so take your Bibles and turn back to Genesis chapter 2. I want to make sure we understand this. The importance is understanding the Word of God, not necessarily just hearing it. Genesis chapter 2, and in verses 15 through 17, I'll read that first. Bear in mind that God here is just talking to, um, to Adam. Eve has not been created. She won't come into play until a few more verses. So God is talking to Adam. And he says, the Lord God took the man, that's Adam, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay? Now move forward there to chapter 3. Now we have Adam and Eve both into the picture. This is simply the fall of man. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, now catch that, okay? He's already challenging the word of God, right? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Verse 2, he says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. So verse 4, notice what it says. You will not surely die, the serpent said. Once again, now he's calling God a liar. He's not just questioning God. He's calling him a liar. You're not going to die. Verse 5, he says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, what does it say now? When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, in other words, she believed believed the serpent, she believed the lie. What does it say? It simply says she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Stop right there. So you'll notice here that Eve ate the fruit first, okay? She then gave some to Adam, and then Adam ate it. Now, the reason, I mentioned this last week, the reason the blame of sin fell on Adam and not upon Eve is twofold. Number one is because Eve was deceived. Adam just flat out disobeyed God. Okay. The fact that Eve was deceived must have been an important point because it's actually mentioned not only here in chapter 3, verse 13, but also in 2 Corinthians 11:3. It's also mentioned in 1 Timothy 2, 4, where it literally says, Adam was not deceived, but it was the woman who was 
deceived. Okay. Now, as far as Adam's part, we just read it here in chapter 3, verse 6 in Genesis, didn't we? Eve there saw the fruit was, was looking good, desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. And then it just simply says, she gave some to her husband who was with her, and she ate it. Okay? So Eve was deceived. That was number one. And then number two, Adam failed his responsibility as he was the one that God originally gave this command to not eat any of the fruit. I read it in chapter 2, verse 17. Okay? Plus, you'll notice right there, Adam was right there with Eve. He did not say a word while Satan was calling God a liar. And then instead of getting in between uh, the serpent as, and Eve, uh, uh, taking the spiritual lead, if you will, he just sat there, did nothing, and he let Eve take a bite of the fruit. He didn't jump in. He didn't correct the lie. Like, that's not true. God did not say that or did say that. He just let Eve control the situation. Folks, Eve was created to be Adam's helpmate. We know that, chapter 2, verse 18, as well as chapter 2, verse 20. Eve was not created to run the show, but that's exactly what happened because Adam did not step up. He didn't do anything through all this. He just sat there twiddling his thumbs. And if that wasn't bad enough, Eve then, in verse 6, just offered him a bite of the fruit. Oh, hey, great, thanks. And he just took a bite and he ate it. Folks, Adam wasn't deceived. He wasn't deceived at all. He sinned deliberately. Okay? Adam said in verse 12, well, you know, God, I listened to my wife. And we joke about that a lot. But he said, look, God, I, I listened to my wife. He's right. Instead of listening to God, he listened to his wife. See, he should have led his wife in what God had told him in chapter 2, verse 17, but instead he did nothing and he followed his wife into sin. So from there, now that we got that figured out, when I get the basis of what Paul is talking about, and go back to Romans chapter 5. Verse 12, he says, sin came through one man, as we see, that's Adam. And then he says, death came through sin. As you guys know, God created Adam immortal. Adam was sinless. Adam was not subject to death until then. Until then. Back in chapter 2, verse 17, as you know, God told him, if you disobey me, okay, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. Same principle, folks, that we know of here in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, right? We know that one. For the wages of sin is what? Death. He tells us that, okay? Now, specifically, because in context, he's talking about Adam, okay? So in context, for Adam, that meant physical death as well as spiritual death, okay? At that point, Adam and Eve, by the way, their body, we joked about it a little earlier, their body began to break down, 
see, as we are today. We're, we are literally in the process of dying. Our bodies are breaking down. God told Adam, one day your body's going to return to the ground. He said that in Genesis 3.19. Most of you know that. To dust you came, to dust you will return. That was never the intended plan originally. But now he's a sinner. So there's also spiritual death for Adam because, once again, he's a sinner and he has now created a barrier between himself and a holy God. So there's also spiritual death. But here's the kicker. As Paul continues here in Romans 5, verse 12, from Adam, he said, sin entered the world. And then he said, and then death. And then he says, and in this way, he says, death came to all men because all sinned. So he's saying here, folks, with Adam being the father of the human race, he was now going to pass on the sin nature to everyone who would follow him. We, we typically use the term today seminally, okay? Through God's natural procreative process, okay? Every human being that was going to follow him would be born a sinner. They would have a nature to sin, as I did last week. Ask all the parents who are here. Ask them all how, how long it took for their, their, their children to start disobeying them. Folks, that happened before they began to walk. That already came out, see? The sin of one man, he says, the decision of one man saying, I want to do it my way. That's what sin is, right? Let's be honest. God, I don't want what you have to say. I want to do it my way. That's what sin is. But from here, from the sin of one man, it affected not just a lot, not just many, but the whole world, the entire world. And listen, folks, this continues at an ever-increasing, ever-never-ending pace, okay? And that's why we're at where we are today in our world, right? I mean, think about it for a second. What, what is legal today? What we have legalized today was just was unconscionable decades ago when I was a little kid. But yet here we are. It's getting worse and worse. Now, as far as sin producing death, well, that's an easy one to figure out, folks. How many of you have seen cemeteries? You, me, we saw cemeteries just on our way to church today. Maybe somebody else did as well. Some people have cemeteries at their churches. But you see cemeteries, they're everywhere. Outside of two men, right, Elijah and Enoch, whom God called to heaven, everyone has died. Everyone has died. Matter of fact, according to the World Population Review, 332,000 people die every day. Every day. That's just a shy less than 14,000 people will die every hour. 231 people will die per minute. If you figure it out, just a shy less than four people will die every second of every day, 24-7, 365 days a year, and it doesn't stop. That's an average. To use the words of Paul, death reigns. Death reigns. Thankfully, as Paul 
did share in chapter 3, verses 21 through 25, is that redemption and forgiveness is available through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, people will still die physically, and that's going to happen because of Adam. People are always going to be dying physically, but in Christ, you don't necessarily have to die spiritually because of he paid the price. One day you will eternally be with him. And we'll be reminded of that once again once we hit verse 18. So I wanted to give a little bit of good news there toward, uh, toward the end. But now picking up in verse 13, and remember, folks, uh, Paul won't, as I mentioned earlier on, Paul will not follow up with this thought from verse 12 until verse 18. Remember? Verse 12, it's almost like he started to say what he wanted to say in verse 12. He interrupted himself. I do that a lot. You'll, something else will pop into your head. And then he'll finish his thought in verse 18. Okay, But until then, Paul's going to discuss the issue of sin a little bit further. Okay, But before I read these next couple of verses, I just want to let you know that People much smarter than myself, theologians and scholars and whatnot, will tell you that, that this section of Scripture here in the book of Romans, pretty much like verses 12 through 21, is uh, probably the most difficult to grasp in the entire book. And Romans is a very deep and theological book, without question, the most entire New Testament. But they say this section is the most difficult one to grasp. And so I tell you that. So in case you get frustrated and you feel like, I just can't seem to put this together, right? I can't get it working in my own mind. I can't, I can't really grasp this, okay? Um, as always, folks, in any scripture where that comes into play, number one, trust God. Number two, trust his word, okay? And number three, trust his character, you should know about God. If there's something you don't understand in Scripture, go back to the very character of God. And when you do that, it'll help you as you study the Word of God. But I just wanted to lay that out for you this morning in case it's just not something that just, that doesn't make sense. That's not right. You can't be correct, Darren. <laughs> just grasp that right now. So with that, let's read verses 13 and 14. Paul says, For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. So looking here at his first main point, in verse 13, he simply says, before the law was given, okay, the law of Moses, before the law of Moses was given, sin was already in the world. Okay? Now, based on verse 12, as I just mentioned, from Adam forward, everyone would sin, right? Because they were sinners. He tells us that. Okay? From the very loins of Adam onward, everyone is born in sin. Everyone is born with a nature to sin. It is ingrained in every single one of us. As I've said before, nobody sinned and therefore became a sinner. You sinned because you are or were a sinner. Okay? 
Look how fast this whole thing progressed. I just want to show you this to show you how fast it progressed. Keep your finger there in Romans 5 and turn back, if you would, one more time to Genesis. And I want you to look at chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Now remember that um, chapter 3 is the fall of man, right? Sorry. Chapter 3 is the fall of man. Get back to my spot here. So as we enter chapter 4, understand where we're at. And I'm going to read here verses 1 through 8, Genesis chapter 4. It says, Adam lay with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. A lot of time has taken place in this one verse, because all of a sudden now it says, now Abel kept the flocks. So a few years had taken place. Abel kept the flocks. Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Obviously, folks, we know that God had already had this discussion with them about what was favorable to God. He didn't just say, oh, you big dummy. He had already discussed this with them, okay? So he says, Cain was very angry. His face was downcast. Cain chose to bring the first fruits of the soil. Verse 6, And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you have done what is right, you will, not be, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now look at verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Folks, so after Adam and Eve had sinned, the very next person on the planet, <laughs> their own child, killed his brother. Okay? That didn't take too long, did it? You think sin didn't have an effect? We're going to have a child. He's going to kill his own brother. Boom. Boom. Murdered him. Now, just to make sure that some of you aren't thinking, well, you know, Darren, that's probably because of who his parents were. I mean, you know, when you got parents like Adam and Eve, you know, things are going to happen. Uh, not necessarily. Because, so let's continue with that thought. We're going to move forward a couple chapters. So just flip forward in your Bible to, to Genesis chapter 6. Okay. And this, of course, is the time of the flood. Okay. Now, I know it's only been three chapters since the fall of man, which is chapter three. Okay. But just so you know, it's been many years. It's easy to go, well, it's only three chapters. It's been a while. Okay. Genesis chapter five, verses three through five, tells us that Adam lived 930 years. 
okay? First Chronicles actually begins the book, chapter 1, verse 1. It says that there are 10 generations between Adam and Noah, okay? Now, I'm not going to get into all of those dates. We don't have the time. But if you simply do the math, Adam died 126 years before Noah, okay? And then in Genesis chapter 9, verses 28 and 29, it tells us that the flood came when Noah was 600 years old. Okay, so somewhere when you put the math together, you come to about the year 1656. It's been about 1656 years. Okay, which has been a while because they lived they live long at that point, right? So a lot has happened in those years. And based upon what I'm about to read, what happened wasn't good. Okay? So look what he says here in Genesis chapter 6. Let's first look at verses 5 through 7. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart, listen to this, was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. And so the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Now move forward to verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt. In God's sight, it was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. And so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both of them and the earth, he says. And he goes on and talks about making the ark. Now, folks, I'm not going to go through the entire Old Testament. I'm not even going to go through from the time of Adam to Moses and the law. We would be here all day. But I think it's safe to say, just from reading that passage, that Paul, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, where he said, all have sinned, and then in verse 13, where he said, before the law was given, the law hasn't been given yet, before the law was given, sin was in the world. Okay? The question, though, why did Paul bring this up? Why did Paul bring up the fact that sin was around before the law? I mean, you and I know that, right? But why did he feel that he needed to say that? Well, because he wanted to further his point that sin is universal. Sin is common. Sin is a part of every single human being. And listen, even before God handed out his laws and commands. Okay? God's laws, folks, they, they, they're commands. Right? That's what God's laws are. And by the way, I believe in the Old Testament, there's 613 laws that God had given to the Jews. 613, okay? I'm not going to look at all those. <laughs> I'm just going to even mention, I'll just mention the Ten Commandments because those are easy to do, 
Okay, But just in the Ten Commandments, you, you know that these laws, the commands, they deal with our relationship with God and our relationship with man, right? Just so you know, that's how all, that's how all the laws, that's how, that's how all these things are, okay? For example, you should have no other gods before me, right? You should not misuse the name of the Lord your God or use his name in vain. Those obviously have to do with our relationship with God. Now, do not murder, do not steal, do not lie, do not covet your neighbor's wife. These obviously have to do with our relationship with man, right? Because that's who we, we lie, we, we steal from man, we lie to man. This is, this is why he's talking about this. This is why Jesus answered the question in the New Testament, right? The question was, they were trying to trick him, of course, but the question was, what is the first and greatest commandment? Well, hopefully you know that. He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Number two is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Because that sums up the whole law. Everything has to do with loving God and loving man, okay? These are all commands about what God tells man, what God told the Jews at this point, about what we should do and commands what we shouldn't do, okay? God says, do not break them. Do not break these laws. Well, this is Paul's point. Between Adam and the time when Moses gave the law, there were no laws to break, right? Hasn't been given yet. So between Adam and the time of Moses and the law, there were no laws to break, because God had not given them. But, what did Paul say here? Sin was in the world. And this is certainly affirming his point from verse 12. Through Adam, all sinned. Through Adam, all sinned. Listen, folks. Even though no one transgressed a specific command, like, for example, like Adam did, right? God told Adam, do not eat of the fruit. You will die. Adam said, I'm going to eat the fruit, right? Nobody else did that, okay? But yet, sin was still around, just like I read earlier, for all those people who were living before the flood, Right? They, were all, they had all sin too. Sin was, sin was rampant in that society. Okay, This was right before the flood. God spoke of their evil. He spoke of their wickedness. He spoke of their corruption and their violence. But yet God's law hadn't even been dished out yet. He didn't give them laws to break at this point. Now with this being said... Paul makes his final point in verse 13. He says, But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. As was stated previously, folks, where there is no law, there's no law to break. And that's pretty much common sense. I get it. You can't break a command of God that has not been given to you. Okay? Therefore, they would not be punished for doing things that opposed the law when the law didn't exist. 
Okay? For example, if someone, if someone does evil by doing A, B, and C, God's not going to punish them for something he never commanded them to do, which is A, B, and C. God didn't say, don't do this. And so if they did it, he said, I'm not going to punish them for that. This goes back to what I spoke of last week in verse 12. Even though there's no law to oppose or no law to break, what does he say? Because of Adam's sin. Key words. We are born in sin. We possess a nature to sin. See? And therefore, guess what? We die. Look real quick at the very beginning of verse 18. What does he say? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass, remember that's Adam's, right? Was condemnation to whom? All men. Look at the very beginning of verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. From the disobedience of one man, he says, the many were made sinners. Think about that for a second. Even though the sin of breaking the law will not be taken into account where there is no law, right? Verse 13. The people we read about earlier, remember the ones who only did evil all the time? People in Moses' day? They still lost their lives in the flood, didn't they? They still did. They didn't break the commands of the law, because there wasn't one, but sin still reigned. Now, for those of you who don't like the fact that these people were sinful, or even us, you don't like the fact that we are sinful because of Adam or that they were considered sinners even before the law was given. Or maybe you just can't grasp the fact of how does God work all these things out. Maybe to you, it's just, that's just not fair. I would simply take you back and give you something to think about to Romans chapter 2. Just turn back a couple pages. This is something we've obviously studied before. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For those who say, that's not fair. All right. Here, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, okay? Starting in verse 14. Indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law... No, let's stop real quick. Remember, the, who had the law? The Jews, right? No other people on the planet did God give his law, just to the Jews, okay? So they didn't have his law, right? So he says the Gentiles who do not have the law, listen, he says they do by nature. In other words, they do naturally the things that are required by the law because he says they are a law for themselves even though they do not have the law. Verse 15 since or because they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing 
witness. Stop right there. Folks, so Paul here, he makes it clear, right? He says the Gentiles do not have the law. Matter of fact, he says it twice in verse 14. They do not have God's law. Okay? Now, that being said, are they somehow off the hook? Phew! Good. Free ride. No. Just like the Jews, there is none of that. He says there in verse 14, they, meaning the unbelieving Gentiles, are a law to themselves. Well, what does that mean, Darren? Well, look back at verse 14. He tells us. They are law for themselves. It means this. It says they do by nature the things that are required in the law. Naturally. They just naturally do the things that are required in the law. Even though they don't have the law, God didn't give it to them. So despite their apparent disadvantages of not possessing the law of God, he says they do what the law requires. That means they naturally have at least a limited knowledge of God or God's law within them, knowing right and wrong, okay? Even though some may not have God's written holy law, within mankind is a basic moral law, folks. It is, an, it is an internal system of ethics, if you will, that parallels a lot of what is already talked about in the law of God. Matter of fact, you and I today call it the same thing Paul did then, and that is we have a conscience. We have a conscience. That's what Paul calls it right there, our consciences. Folks, for example, as you know, there are atheistic countries out there. We have many, many countries in this world. There are atheistic countries out there, they do not believe in God, and therefore, they do not believe in Scripture. They don't believe in the Word of God because they don't believe in God. Therefore, they don't believe there's a higher authority. They don't believe there's a moral standard. That's the excuse of a lot of people even in America. There's no God. There's no God's Word. There's no moral standard. I can do what I want, right? But there are countries that believe this. They hold to that. There is nothing there. Yet, these very same people will say things like stealing is wrong, rape is wrong, murder is wrong, right? They will also say things on the other side. They'll say, you know what? Taking care of your parents is a good thing. Helping the elderly, caring for the needy, it's the right thing to do. Well, how is it the right thing to do? Right? Because what of all humanity has in common is the recognition that there is some right and some wrong. That's how God created us. As Paul says, by nature. That's his words. In other words, it's instinctive. Okay? Therefore, when people go against what is inherent within them, they will be judged for that. I'll even prove it to you if you're still there in Romans 2. Just look at verse 12. He says, all who sin apart from the law, right? That's those who don't have the law, right? All who sin apart from the law, guess what? They will perish apart from the law. 
They're still going to be judged. They're just not going to be judged by the law because they never had the law. But then he says, and all who sin under the law, they will be judged by the law. God gave you the law, you will be judged by it. But on the flip side, if God never gave it to you, he won't use the law to judge you, but you will be judged and many of you will perish, he says. Now back to chapter 5. Those after Adam and before Moses, listen, they did not sin like Adam did. Okay, did you catch that? Between Adam and the giving of the law, okay, remember there was no law. So they didn't sin like Adam did. Adam had a command from God to him, and he disobeyed it. Okay, no one else did that. God said, I'm giving you one thing. <laughs> Heather, you got one job. <laughs> and he broke it. See? But they did sin, though, people. And this is Paul's point. Even though they didn't have that, they still sinned. And the way that we know that, and this is what Paul's pointing, the way that we know that is because death reigned. They all died. Okay, look at verse 14. Notice he begins with, nevertheless. Because notice he says in verse 13, sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command. Did you catch that? They didn't sin from breaking a command or a law because they didn't have it. But death still reigned. See? So sin, even though it didn't come from breaking God's command, was still there, proving his point once again in verse 12. And the easiest way to verify that, as he just stated, is that death never stopped. Death is sin's punishment. We've already talked about that. Genesis talked about it right here in Romans 6 talks about it. The wages of sin is death. If everyone died, sin must have been present. Because that's the consequence. This proves, folks, that all had sinned in or through Adam. That all have sinned in or they have sinned through Adam because of Adam, because of what he passed on to us. As I mentioned earlier, verse 18, the result of one man was condemnation for all men. Just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. That's how that happens. You don't have to like it, but that's the word of God. And of course, he finishes this verse with mentioning Adam, who he says, who was a pattern of the one to come. That word pattern in the Greek is the word tupos, which is where we get our word type. Okay, we get our word type from that. Okay, Adam was a type of the one to come. And of course, we know the one to come is the Lord Jesus Christ. As you continue to read the passage, it's pretty obvious. Now, how in the world can Adam 
be the type of Christ. Because Adam linked himself to those that followed him. Unfortunately, it was in sin. Christ, on the other hand, also linked himself to those who followed him. Praise God, it's in righteousness. See? What Adam did affected a lot of people. What Christ did affected a lot of people in reverse. See? There, as I mentioned earlier, there's a little comparison. There's also a little bit of contrast. Okay? There's a lot more of this to come as we continue in this chapter. Like I said, we're, we'll go a little slowly through the end of this chapter. There's a lot more to come, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to close at this point. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that even though sometimes it, maybe things are hard to understand, things are hard to grasp, sometimes we question things. Why would God do this? That doesn't make any sense to me. And Lord, we, 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 sometimes we're caught using our own um, <laughs> fallen mindset to put into Scripture instead of taking what Scripture gives us. And forgive us of that, Lord. We need to trust your word. We need to understand it to the best of our abilities. But Lord, we're very grateful that even though we came into this world in sin because of Adam, we're thankful, Lord, that even though we may not have deserved that, we don't deserve the fact that Christ died either and is offering us eternal life through Jesus Christ. We're grateful that you offered that up to us. It wasn't just about the sin. It's about the forgiveness of that sin, which we will see as we continue to go through this. And so, Lord, we thank you. We, we pray that you would give us clarity and understanding as we little by little go through this section of Scripture to just do our best, Lord, to, to, to gain it. I've tried, Lord, my best to, to look back at the, the Scriptures and uh, to help us to grasp what your Word teaches, which is the most important. So give us clarity as we continue in our study throughout the weeks ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.